Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2 is where we're starting this morning. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And we just pray that as we study that we will grow to know you better, and that we'll understand you better, that you'll use your word to help us to mature. Lord, bring us to maturity. Help us to no longer be um, children or teenagers in the faith, but mature, grown adults. And we just pray that you'll use your word to produce that in us. And we pray to be with us. Bless our time now as we study your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so to get our context, we will read, starting in chapter 2, verse 14, and then we will read through chapter 3, verse 9, 2.14 through 3.9. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually determined. The person of the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is, is not subject to merely human judgments. But who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him that we have the mind of Christ? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Okay. JC, I think. Did you want to skip, Don? Oh, okay. I'm not sure where you are. I remember. Yeah. Verse okay. 6. Verse 6. Okay. I have a different translation. <laughs> um, Verse 6. <coughs> I find a pause water, but God gave the increase. Now he who plants and he who, he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Okay, so last week we finished up uh, verses 15 and 16 in <coughs> chapter 2, and it talked about the, the spiritual man. So since the day of Pentecost... We have been born again. We have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so we have spiritual capacity that they did not have in the Old Testament. And again, we, you look back at the disciples. They had Jesus teaching them for three years, and they just didn't understand. He had to breathe the Spirit on them and then open their hearts up to understand things. But we have those resources. So... The Holy Spirit gives us the understanding of the real depth and the truth of God's Word. Um, and through God's Word, the Holy Spirit reveals God's mind to us. And thus, we have the mind of Christ contained in this book and, and then given to us and made understood by the Holy Spirit. So, um, the Corinthians... Um, the, First, let's look at a couple contrasts. He talks about 
In verse 14, the natural man. This is sukikos. It's, it's, a, it's a man without the Holy Spirit. He, he, can kinda, he can probably grasp spiritual truths superficially, but not the depth, not the real understanding. So it's, it's a man with, with no real spiritual abilities. And then we get in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, <coughs> he started talking about men of flesh or fleshly men. Well, fleshly here is a different word. It refers to our old sin natures. So we were natural. We've been given the Holy Spirit, so now we're spiritual. But the flesh, the old sin nature is still there. And, and, what the, and so the contrast now is, as believers, we are combating and dealing with the flesh. And that's all through Paul's epistles. You see that. Uh, in Galatians, it talks about the, the deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. So this, this uh, struggle between flesh and spirit is something that we deal with all the time. Um, but as we looked at started chapter 3, um, Paul was saying, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, babes in Christ. Uh, God had given them uh, all this ability to understand, but they weren't using it. They were acting just like the unbelievers, living according to the flesh. So this morning we're starting verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2. And Paul says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able. So Paul fulfilled his responsibilities. They were, he brought the gospel, they believed, they were just brand new babes in Christ. He didn't give them steak, he gave them milk. This is what they needed and that's what he gave them. Uh, he knew that they could not uh, handle things other than that. He gave them the basic teaching about Christ um, and the, about the Christian faith. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. And would someone like to read that for us when we get there? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Okay, so here's Peter saying the same thing. You're, you know, you're, you're like newborn babes in the faith. They're hungry. <laughs> I don't know, if you've had babies, they're hungry when they're, and they want milk. So he says, that's the way Christians should be. We should be longing for it. Yeah, we want it right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking back at myself, I, I, I know when I'm saved, was saved because it was like in August before I went off to junior college. And I remember sitting there in my dorm room and I got a Bible. And I read it cover to cover. I just, you know, God gave me that desire for the word. Um, that's not normal for an unsaved person to do that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that was proof to me that I was saved at that point. <clears throat> so Paul acknowledges he could not give them solid food because, you know, they were brand new babies. They, they could not take it in. Um, and so he, didn't, he did not force it. Um, the problem is 
They haven't grown. They're still spiritual babies. And he sounds exasperated here with their lack of progress. You know, he doesn't mention Apollos here, but Apollos also came and ministered to them. They should be further along in their spiritual growth by this time. And so he's, he's uh, exhorting them. He's, uh, um, in a sense, condemning their lack of spiritual growth, their activities. And, and so you see a Bible teacher, and he's frustrated with his students because they're not growing up. And he's not the only one. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And someone like to read verses 11 through 14. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. And just background, the author is wanting to teach them about Melchizedek and the priesthood. So someone would like to read this. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Okay, he's not commending them here. <laughs> you can see the frustration. You ought to be teachers by this time. And here I'm giving you a bottle of milk. What's wrong with you guys? Um, he wants to teach, give them solid food. And we see that same thing with Paul. Um, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. So there were some, maybe not at Corinth, but other believers, you know, they were mature. They were able to take the solid food. Paul was giving it to them. But he could not do that at Corinth, at least with them. So, um, and we, we saw in Hebrews, it talks about the milk, and he calls it the elementary truths of God's word. So if you're still learning about the very elementary things of the gospel, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you've, you've been in kindergarten long enough, you should know how to do these things, let's start growing on, you know, you, you've, you've learned to add two plus two, now let's learn to divide, and maybe we'll even get you into algebra, you know. I was, <laughs> I was going to be a high school math teacher, so that's what I'm thinking about, my examples. Some of you think, no, no, not algebra. <laughs> so, anyways, he's a Paul's a teacher. He, you know, especially with Melchizedek, he said, "I want you, you know, we're getting into calculus here. This is really interesting stuff." Um, but no, you're, you're still trying to learn to add. Okay, so the the Corinthians probably don't like being called childish. You're just a bunch of children. You should, you know. This may not have gone over well. They may have resisted this. And so Paul next goes on and kind of demonstrates to them why he's saying that. Looking at verse 3. Um, 
He says, for you are still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? So they have this evidence in their lives that they are fleshly. They're not acting like mature spiritual believers. Uh, they're acting like they're un unsaved. They're not unsaved. We go back to verse 1. I brethren. He calls them brethren. Yeah. He reserves that for believers. They're, they're not unsaved, but they're acting like it. Um, and again, they should not be fleshly. They've been born again. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives them wisdom and understanding. They've had good teachers. They've had Paul and Apollos both good teachers. And so Paul expects better of them uh, knowing this, that they are saved. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 1 through 3. We see an exhortation to the Ephesians here. Someone would like to read that for us. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, dealing with one another in love, Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is only one body and one spirit, which is your call to be in one hope that belongs to your call. Okay. So here he's exhorting the Ephesians, walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling as a Christian, as a uh, member of the body of Christ. And this uh, idea of being worthy means, you know, um, consistent with. You, know, you go by the name of Christian, which means little Christ. You should walk like Christ. You should act like Christ. And then he describes it. Humility and gentleness and patience, forbearance, preserving unity, preserving the bond of peace. But what were the Corinthians doing? What were they characterized by? Back in verse 3. Jealousy and strife. <laughs> they were not walking in a manner worthy of their calling. Um, the word for jealousy is kind of interesting because it has like two sides to the coin. It's, it's, it's the word that's used for zeal. If you're zealous for the Lord, this is the word that's used for it. And it's good to be zealous for the Lord. But it's also used of being jealous. Same Greek word. Almost opposite meanings. Um, so... You know, they were looking at each other. They were jealous. They were full of envy. You know, you've got something I want, or I'm better than you are. You know, there was all these comparisons going on. Um, and so Paul here is dealing with that problem. Let's look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Someone like to read verses 14 through 16. James three fourteen through 16. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And 16 also, please. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay. So here's jealousy. So 
James is dealing with the same kind of jealousy in the, to the people he's writing to. Um, I'm not sure if it's in the, this context, but he said it talks about being careful lest you bite and devour one another. Um, so, you know, he calls this, you know, this, this selfish ambition in the church, he says it's earthly, natural. You know, again, that goes back to mere men. James also throws in demonic. This is the way the world operates. Satan is the god of this world, and the, the world is full of jealousy and hatred and envy. Uh, don't act that way. Um, now, I thought it interesting. We've got Paul is, you know, talking to the Corinthians about the problems in their church. You know, when they're not growing, <coughs> we go to Hebrews. There's another church that has the same problem. We talk about the jealousy. We go to James. Here's another church with the same problem. You know, these are not unique problems. They, they occur in a lot of churches. Um, both the lack of growth and also the jealousy and um, envy. So back to verse 3, Paul says, Aren't you not walking like mere men? Um, you know, we're not mere men. We're not mere men and women. We are the children of God. We're members of the body of Christ. We have the God's Holy Spirit and, the, and Christ living in us. Um, we ought to walk better than unbelievers. If we're walking like unbelievers, that's, that's awful. Uh, we shouldn't be acting like them. God has given us far more resources. Okay, going on to verses 4 and 5. It says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. So we see here that this jealousy and envy revolves around which of these spiritual leaders they were attaching themselves to. Um, and we can see that looking ahead in verse 21. Chapter 3, verse 21. So, so then let no one boast in men. So that's what they were doing. They were boasting in the men. They were boasting in their leaders. So some say they're, they're disciples of Paul. Others say they're disciples of Apollos. This goes all the way back to the initial problem, going back to chapter 1. Someone like to read verses 11 and 12? For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Okay. So they're quarreling over teachers. Back to the that's the original first and basic problem, I think, that he was addressing here. It may not be the worst problem that they had, but it's the first one he addresses. Um, so they're following their special leaders. Um, you know, and, and we have a tendency to think... <laughs> somehow that, uh, that we're special because... We belong to a certain church. We have a certain pastor. Um, maybe we follow the doctrinal teaching of a certain organization, or we have a, or our theology is the best one, or our denomination is the best one, and we look down on others. Um, 
that's not pleasing to God when we have that attitude. Um, and I have experience with that in the past. Uh, when I was in, in Pullman, going to college, went to Bethany Bible Church. And uh, Phil Roger went to the same church. And his emphasis was on teaching. Every night of the week except Saturday, he had a Bible class. Sunday morning, he had three, there were three sessions on Sunday morning. Everyone was a different class. He didn't just repeat. So we'd go and we'd sit through three hours of Bible class on Sunday morning. I mean, this was, this was intense. Everybody, you know, and, and obviously, if you wanted to know the Bible, you went to our church, right? There was another church that met in a Grange Hall out in the Grange. And they had more of a typical worship service. They'd sing. And, you know, if all you wanted to do was sing and clap your hands and have fun, you'd go out there. If you were serious about God, you went to our church. And that was really the attitude, and it stunk. <laughs> it was a bad attitude. You know, on the other hand, the Grange, they, some of those folks would say, you're not a church, you're just a seminary. <laughs> you know, so you didn't like it either. But there's that envy and jealousy and boasting between groups and organizations. Um, God's not pleased with that. So, going on, what, what Paul is really saying here is, you know, what is Apollos and what's Paul? They're just servants of God. You don't boast in servants. Um, you know, it's... The only authority they have is God's word. You know, that's, that's the goal. That's the thing we... You know, if we're going to boast, we're going to boast in God. Um, and for Apollos and Paul both, their authority was from God. Their information they taught was from God. You know, they had no reason for boasting. Um, so, Paul clearly states that both he and Apollo are just God's servants through whom God saved them. They didn't save them. God saved them. Um, so verse 5 ends with the phrase, as God gives to each one. Now this is a little bit vague, um, but it seems to refer back to the Apollos and Paul because they're the, really the subjects. And all the commentaries reference what were the spiritual gifts that God gave to these men? What were the ministries that God gave to these men? And so that's what he's, he's saying that, you know, they, they worked, they served in accordance with what um, gifts and ministries God gave them. And now those are the opportunities that, that are what God gave to each one. <coughs> so let's look at chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. If someone would like to read that passage for us. Now there are varieties of gifts of the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries the same Lord. There are varieties of effects. The same God who works all things in all persons. Through verse what? Seven. Yes. 
but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay. So there's one common goal, there's one common good, but everybody has different gifts, and even, even if you have the same gift as someone else, God gives you different ministries. He puts you in different churches. He puts you in different groups of people. Uh, and all this works together in God's plan for the one common good of the body of Christ. So that is kind of what he's talking about here, you know, even as the Lord gave to each one. You know, so we don't compare ourselves with each other because God's put us different places, um, gave us different ministries. So now Paul is going to go on to explain that the results of these ministries are from God, not from the servant's special abilities. Looking at verses 6 and 7, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. <clears throat> so Paul kind of begins by reviewing the Corinthians' spiritual history here. Paul says, I planted. Let's go back to Acts chapter 18. This is the chapter that talks about the Corinthian church. Acts chapter 18. Does someone like to read verse 1 and then also down read verse 18, just the two verses. 1 and 18 in chapter 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. But when Paul had buried there, yet it was wild. He took leave of the brethren and sailed into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. After that, he had shorn his head and... Uh, Centuria? Centuria? Yeah. For he had made a vow. Okay. Centuria, if I remember right, is... Corinth was not right on the, the isthmus. Centria was one of the two ports there. So it was close to Corinth. He made the vow and had his hair cut. But this is uh, talking about when Paul came to Corinth. You know, and he came, ministered. He was there for a fairly long time. Um, verse 11 says a year and six months, a year and a half. So he was teaching for a year and a half, Paul being their teacher. Um, then he goes on and says, Apollos watered. So in cha Acts chapter 18, <coughs> would someone like to read verses 27 and 28? When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters engaged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For the vigorous... For he vigorously re refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, so there, there's Apollos comes and he's watering. Paul planted the seed, got the seed growing. You know, they were born again. He was, you know, so this is a little different analogy. We're not talking about milk now. We're talking about farming. Um, the seed's been planted by by Paul, Apollos comes along and waters, um, and so they ought to be growing. Um, but the point Paul's making here is that, um, you know, neither Apollos nor, 
Apollos could cause the seed to grow. I have a garden. I stick the seed in the ground. I pour water on it. I don't make it grow. <laughs> God is the one that makes it grow. You need temperature. Yeah, in temperature. God brings the sunlight and the tent. Yeah, God makes it grow. Left on my own, plants die. <laughs> so, um, and that's the point Paul's making here. Is, you know, I don't take the credit for the plants that are coming up in my garden. You know, I'm not the one that makes them grow. God's the one that makes them grow. Um, whoever plants, whoever waters, it's not that uh, significant. Okay, so these are, find my place in my notes I lost. Okay. Um, again, God was causing the growth. Verse 7, God, or he makes the application. In Christian ministries, the servants can take no credit for spiritual results. You know, I can stand here and teach and teach and teach, and the pastor can teach and teach and teach. You know, whether you grow or not, it's not our, you know, the result of what we're doing. It's, it's God's Spirit working in you through the, through the Word of God. Uh, and it also takes your uh, willingness to take it in. Um, just because the information is available does not produce growth automatically. <clears throat> um, so they do not get the credit for the spiritual growth. Um, God is the one that does, and he gets the glory. Um, now there's an example here, I think, of you know, different ministries produce dis different results. Marie was reading Jonah. You know, Jonah, Jonah was one of the worst prophets in the Old Testament. You know, he did not want to obey God. He ran away. They sent him to a city, and as far as Jonah was concerned, Nineveh, the Ninevites... They could all die apart from God. He did not want to see them saved. But the whole city got saved. And he sat there and pouted. Now compare that with Jeremiah. God sent him to his people Israel, to the chosen race. And Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and preached. And what happened? They rebelled and the city was destroyed. They did not respond. So who was the better prophet? Jonah. He had results, right? No, I think when, when they get to heaven, I think Jeremiah is going to be honored far above Jonah because he, he was faithful where God put him, even though there were no results. And so it's our responsibility really is to obey God, leave the results to him. We cannot produce the results. So a farmer out in the field spinning his wheels not accomplishing is he working or not? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, this kind of shows how we tend to honor certain servants of God. You know, I'm thinking of names. Uh, um, when I was in school, Francis Schaeffer in Switzerland had Labrie, and he was the big, you know, intellectual Christian center. And then you had... Louis Sperry Chafer, who was a 
president of Dallas Seminary, who was, uh, you know, that's the source of a lot of dispensational teaching. Um, I think of Sproul, who was, you know, a strong uh, reform teacher. And what Paul's saying is, they're, they're just vessels. You know, God's working through them and using them. They're not anybody special. Um, even though we know that everyone knows their names. Um, we can't worship, we can't admire them that much. Uh, because they, they have no results unless God works through them. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Someone like to read verse 5 for us. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you cannot do that, you can do nothing. Okay, apart from me, you can do nothing. The source of the fruit is Christ. Um, we tend to forget this. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. And verse 3, Galatians 6, 3. Would someone like to read that for us? If anyone thinks they are not something when they are not, they, decide themselves, they deceive themselves. Okay. You think you're really something? <laughs> you're deceived. <laughs> so. Now back in our... The plans of man are foolish. Yes. Back in our context, both these verses, 6 and 7, end with God causes the growth or God gives the increase. So this word really refers to growth. So looking at this word of growing and increasing, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see a few places, other places it's used. Ephesians chapter 4, would someone like to read verse 15? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Okay, so we are to grow. And again, it's the result comes from speaking the truth. And as, So this is a part, place where he's talking about spiritual gifts, uh, communication gifts in particular. Uh, they equip the saints for the work of service and, and build up the body of Christ. So... We are to grow up to be like Christ. If you're not like Christ yet, you still have growing to do. <laughs> Maybe when I'm glorified. <laughs> so as long as we're in this world, we have growing to do. Um, so again, there's the idea of growing. And the goal is to become like Christ. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Someone like to read verses 9 and 10 for us. Okay, so here he's praying for the Corinth, or the Colossians here to grow, to increase, to understand God's word, to get that spiritual wisdom that the Holy Spirit imparts. And the result is they will walk worthy of Christ, to walk in a manner consistent with their call as Christians, and they'll produce fruit, and they'll know God better. Um, 
Let's go to 1 Peter. We've already looked at this verse. Let's look at two verses. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. We've already looked at the second verse here. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Okay. So this looks like Peter is facing some of the same issues that Paul was in Corinth. Verse 1, you've got malice and guile and envy and slander and all those bad things that were going on at Corinth. And, and so Paul says, like babes, you want to <laughs> drink the milk. You know, you have to go back to babyhood again because you're acting like babies. Grow up. Take in the word and grow up. And then turning to 2 Peter, let's look at chapter 3. And someone like to read verses 17 and 18. Okay, again, Peter is telling him to grow. And he says, watch out for those who are false teachers who will mislead you and deceive you. Um, but keep growing. Grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And this, this is not just information. Again, we talk about Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. You grow in that relationship. So this is, this is a long-distance relationship. I don't know if you ever was that way with someone close to you. You were dating someone who lived in another state, and so you sent letters back and forth to get to know each other better. So, yeah, this is kind of what we're, we're doing here because we, God has sent us the Word of God, His Word, just kind of a love letter to us so that we can get to know Him better and develop that relationship. Okay, well, this is a very good place for us to stop here. So we'll stop and pick up in verse 8 next time. And Joe, sure. I'll let you pray for us again. It's your job, right? I designated spot. Yes, you're in that spot. Dear Lord, we do thank you for this time. We open your word to see what you have for us. We thank you for the opportunities we have. It's, it's abundant to us to be able to do that. Other places in the world, they don't have that freedom to do. We thank you that we do have that here. Lord, we just pray that you'll um, bless us next hour to come as, as Steve brings a message. We thank you for the um, words we get from different speakers that are all bringing back the focus on your word, your living word that speaks to us. Lord, we just pray Lord, that we'll glorify you in the things we do, that, we'll, um, that you'll bless our lives and that you'll work through us.